This is the forgetting. There's a whole stereotype about this disease that's not true. Yes, there are people at certain stages who can't communicate, but there are millions and millions of us who are still able, and we fight through it every day. This COVID thing, and then the election, has brought out more and more uncertainty and that's the definition of dementia and Alzheimer's. And so it's really dragged me down. I'm really not a sleep expert, but I can share a little bit of my own experience. I, I've, I've had problems sleeping. But you, you uh, probably put a lot of people to sleep, right? <laughs> that's right. CAI, Public Radio CAI in Woodsville, Massachusetts, and uh, from up here in Western Massachusetts, where I am, this is The Forgetting, a podcast about dementia. I'm David Shank, author of the book, The Forgetting, and creator of the Living with Alzheimer's Film Project. This is season two, episode seven, I believe, and we are recording this on November 24th, 2020, uh, blessedly uh, in the new season of our of our lives um it's been exactly two months since since we last uh spoke and with me as always is my uh great friend and co-host greg o'brien author of on pluto inside the mind of alzheimer's his book has that subtitle because greg has early onset alzheimer's and is committed to reporting his experience for as long as he possibly can uh which is such a great gift to the world that's why this podcast exists greg it's great to talk to you again how are you Good. You know, one of we're laughing because I don't know if it was recorded earlier, but one of the um, hallmark things, at least with me, but with others, is that I can be in places and I can see someone I've known for a long time and not recognize them. I just had that moment with you and I asked because for some reason today you're looking different and I didn't. I just, you look different. That's what happens. The, the, the brain, now you're scratching your eyes and you look like a monster to me. But um, you look different. And I asked you and you told me what? Well, I, I guess uh, I, I real, really don't know what I, you said, what did you do? Like, did you have something done as if I would have like some, some surgery or something, which I, I probably could I probably could use all kinds of plastic surgery, but I would say that if I do look different, it's probably a combination of, uh, let's see, just getting old uh, and having gone through uh, an incredibly stressful year that we're all, uh, you know, sort of in very much. Um, if you're recognize, if you're still recognizing me as anything, I guess that's, you know, that's, well, something to be cherished. You do look good. You, you just look different. So keep that look. I I will ignore. I will admit that I'm I, I'm growing my hair out a little bit. People can't see this, uh, but let's talk about you. How how are you feeling? It's uh it's it's been about two months since we we talked formally. Do you want to hear the good news first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I just got a call. My new glasses are ready and. Um, I know people are going WTF. Where is he going? But um, they're nice. I, I, I 
got them from someplace in in uh, France because you know it's it's like Saturday Night Live. You know you want to you know you look marvelous, and um, when you're not. So, but I had an eye test, and um, so you know me, the Irish. I always like to put a good thing on it, and I may have told you this before. And if I said it in a podcast, I apologize to anyone who might have heard it again. But I think it's pretty funny. I I went to an eye specialist um, connected with Mass General, and um, uh, she another doctor, and she was checking me and and said she was really concerned about my sight. And I've been seeing these floaters ever since I had what appears to have been an eye bleed. And then she says on the way out, because she's very professional, very young, very attractive, if I'm allowed to say that. And um, so I wanted to get her to laugh. And she says to me, I'm more concerned about your tremendous loss of vision than I am about the floaters. You know, those little things that you see. And right now they look like herds of floaters in my eye. So I said to her, what if the floaters start looking like Donald Trump? <laughs> and, 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 and she stopped and she had a mask on. So I couldn't see her smile, but I could see her eyes smile. And then she turned around because she didn't want to smile. And I said, well, what if they start looking like Donald Trump? And she turned around and said, well, Mr. O'Brien, in that case, you're going to have to be institutionalized. <laughs> Isn't it funny, by the way, that, to see all these people in our lives and we only see their expressions on the top half of their face. Yeah. I like what you said about, you can see their eyes smile because you can still, you can still tell a lot about what people are doing with their expression, but you have to, you have to look at it in a different way. Well, she, she, you could see her eyes smile. And, um, but anyway, so then the other thing, and then we'll get to the positive because this is a story the eye thing is positive because I have new glasses that'll make me look good, even though I can't, even though I can't see like crap out of them. And um, on my laptop, anyone in this journey would know if they're dealing with this. I have to bump up. I usually work off at 12 point. Now it's it's 16 to 18 so I can read. Um, and but so the other day and, and, and you could lecture me about the COVID thing. OK, when I'm done. But I am trying to be careful. But the other day I was exposed to someone with COVID. So I had to take a COVID test. Okay. And I, I was a little nervous about it because I, I I have the runny nose and cough, but I've had that as part of, you know, my dementia Alzheimer's journey just because of my immune systems in the toilet. And so I had the test and I got it back. And just like I didn't recognize you the other day, sometimes I don't recognize the meanings of words and it came in an email and it and 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 it said negative and i said oh my god that's a bad word negative does that mean i have covid <laughs> positive positive think it through positive is like that's a good thing negative is a bad thing so i yeah. said how do i tell my wife i got covid and i finally told my wife and i said i don't know how to tell you this but um I got COVID. I got a negative. Negatives are bad. And she goes, in, 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 in a loving way, when you're married to someone for 43 years, she says, dumbass, negative is a positive. <laughs> and I go, well, then, then, then if you got a positive, that's a negative? And she said, <laughs> who's on first? <laughs> I'm so sorry. you guys... You guys have your own 
little comedy routine going on right in your own quarantine household? Well, one of the things I'm, I'm, I try to reinforce, and I did this about the glasses, um, I think that um, you have to get through life in faith, hope, and humor. And, um, you know, as Bugs Bunny, you've heard me say this before, once said, don't take life too seriously because no one gets out alive. So, you know, that time comes for everyone. So, you know, my, my feeling is while I can to do what I can, but, but do it in a faith, hope, and humor. And, and humor is so important. So, uh, cause if you, you can't laugh at an enemy, the enemy intimidates. And I don't want this enemy to intimidate anyone who is a family member of someone with dementia or Alzheimer's or anyone who has dementia or Alzheimer's. And I'm trying in my journey and my imperfect way to give them cause to laugh and raise a fist against this demon. And so that's how I respond when someone says you're losing your sight. I go, well, I'm going to look good with these glasses. Here's my, here's my attempt at, at humor today, Greg. I, I want to know if, if uh, some of those floaters were looking like Donald Trump, you know, we just passed a big moment where uh, he was formally, uh, Joe Biden was formally recognized as the president elect and has the, uh, has been ascertained as the next president and has access to the transition offices and money and all that. So I, I wonder if the floaters are going to start, are they going to also transition to looking like Joe Biden? Well, they could. Um, as you know, politically, I'm a guy in the middle and, uh, Joe Biden's my president now, so he has 100% of my support. Um, and maybe that means he'll start looking like the floaters, which which would be better. It would be worse if the floaters start looking like Richard Nixon. That that would scare me. <laughs> there was a time where uh, in the last couple of years where I started missing Richard Nixon a little bit, I'll have to admit. Well, you know, a um, couple things. Uh, one of the things that have been difficult, I think, for people with uh, dementia, and as we've talked about before, there's a whole stereotype about this disease that's not true. Yes, there are people at certain stages who can't communicate, but there are millions and millions of us who are still able, and we fight through it every day. But this COVID thing, and then the election, has brought out more and more uncertainty and that's the definition of dementia and Alzheimer's. And so it's really dragged me down in, in, in a lot of ways. And um, I am glad that um, we're at the stage where we're recognizing President Biden. I do think it's important for future elections now that we have the, 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 um, the mail-in ballot, which shouldn't go away. We should keep that is to make sure that we have the best systems impossible. But yeah. that's th those are two different things than claiming to uh, have votes that you don't have. And that's all I'll say as a guy in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thanks for bringing it back to dementia, because that's really what we should be talking about. And I think that that's such an interesting point that uh, a lot of it, you know, kind of in the way we were talking about in the spring, the challenges from COVID were, you know, kind of parallel to what a lot of caregivers and and dementia uh, patients uh, deal with, and in a way, you could you could say some of the same things about all the uncertainty about the about the election is that just living in this kind of limbo world where you're just not sure what is real and what isn't. Well, yes. that's that's your life every day. Well, 
that but but that also um i think is a good education tool for yeah. people who are listening who who haven't experienced it and and as you know dr rudy tanzi my hero has a red cape underneath his jacket um <laughs> said that the disease can start when you're in your 40s without any real noticeable symptoms so you know we wait until someone is at the end stage or or we go to their wake and say oh they had alzheimer's but there are a lot of people, millions and millions, who are struggling with this uncertainty in their lives. And then you have the pandemic, and then you have this election where, um, you know, you, you 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 listen to one station, you listen to the, and, and, and your your head's spinning off like The Exorcist. And um, I'm just glad we're at that stage now where we've declared a president. I support the president because he's my president and I want this uncertainty to go away. Nothing is perfect. Yeah. Clarity is really important. You can't have anything else without clarity. There you have it. You know, I just looked out the window and I saw a wild turkey. We have wild turkeys here. Um, you have seen any turkeys out your window? Yeah. <laughs> Not at the moment. We actually have them on a daily basis, though, on our property here in the Berkshires. It's, it's, okay. I love seeing the turkeys. Yeah, here's another one. They're, geez. I'm not a gun guy, but someone said you, you can eat wild turkeys, but uh, maybe that was in Chevy Chase's Christmas vacation. <laughs> We're, uh, my daughter is, is with us for, for Thanksgiving uh, and for the, the whole last stretch of the year. And uh, she's a vegetarian, so we're gonna we're gonna go completely vegetarian for Thanksgiving this year. Wow, good for you. So I'm if you there's know, a if there's a big piece of tofu that walks up, you know, on our yard, I'll I'll capture that for sure. One of the things, and I'll let you do it because um, you're smarter. You talk a little bit advice for people in this journey about eating properly and what they should eat is some of the things that Dr. Rudy Tanzi has said, which can be helpful. That's a great idea. I mean, a lot of this is just common sense, but, you know, the, the food we eat is, you know, what we end up becoming. And it's important for uh, throughout our lives to have a healthy diet, uh, which, you know, and everyone knows the parameters of that by now. It's very well known. Anything that people have said are good for your heart. That's also good for your brain. And that will, we know for sure that, that eating can, can, uh, impact your, your odds of, of getting Alzheimer's. And then for people who, who are already dealing with dementia, um, I mean, it's, it's more important than ever to have a, a balanced diet and to eat well and healthy and, and to keep your carbs and your sugars low and your protein high and your fats you know, the, the healthy kind of fats and to exercise and to sleep and all those things that unfortunately, you know, we've, we've, we've heard every day for our lives, but it's, it's especially important as you're dealing with some of these disabilities because they can really all be made worse by either not eating enough or not, or, or not eating, you know, a, not having a balanced diet in your life. So if you are, you eat, am I going to become a block of cheese? <laughs> You're going to become a, a block of, of cheese and, and a big old glass of white wine. Uh, and, and, and you're going to, you're going to melt into that, to that beautiful sunset that I see when you show me pictures from the Cape. Well, God bless you. Hey, um, because you, you, and, and, and this is a plug for you on your book, but, but you, you wrote the New York Times bestseller, the forgetting any advice 
on, uh, I don't sleep. And it, it, it can happen a lot in dementia and Alzheimer's where you get up. I, I get up several times at night to take a pee, but I get up because I can't sleep and I'm walking around. Um, what advice would you give for anyone listening, either family members or those on the dementia journey, um, what to do when they can't sleep? I think the worst thing you can do is panic. So I try to lie there and tell myself that um, rest is better than panic. Any any thoughts to help anyone listening on yeah, this? I'm, sleep is I'm, I'm really not a sleep expert, but I can share a little bit of my own experience. I, I've, I've had problems sleeping. But you, uh, you probably put a lot of people to sleep, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. With uh, with my with my voice, when I'm just my speaking voice, uh, I I, <laughs> I will say this is actually a true story. It's a little little side uh, sidebar here. I, I was once giving a, a presentation to uh, someone who I knew very well in the, in the, uh, the documentary world. We had done a documentary together based on a, another book that I'd written. And he was in town and I was pitching him on trying to turn my next book into a documentary. And I had it all prepared. And, you know, this was a big pitch for me because if he had said yes, you know, that's basically a green light. I'm not going to give any more details aside from his gender, but uh, all right. But I'm given the pitch, and I'm I'm halfway into it, and I'm really you know revved up, and I'm so excited by this. I've been looking forward to it, and then I noticed that he has literally fallen fallen asleep during my during my uh, presentation, <laughs> which which is pretty much you know the the most solid indicator to someone pitching an idea that it is not going to fly, ladies and gentlemen, when, <laughs> when the recipient is physically asleep from listening to you. So the answer to your question is yes, I know how to put people asleep and people can just, you know, call me anytime if they're having problems sleeping, Greg, you just call me up and I'll, I'll just talk. I'll give you the okay. pitch to that, to that same, you know, documentary. And I, I'm pretty sure that will work for you. Um, Good. But on a serious but, note, I, I think you're right. You don't you don't want to panic. Uh, you don't want to uh, you don't want to perseverate about it. You you want to try to relax. Uh, I think if it if it becomes a sustained thing, you you don't you you I think walking away from the bed for for a while is not not a bad idea. And then doing something else, and then going back <laughs> to the bed and actually just letting yourself relax there, as opposed to kind of trying to force it. Yeah. You got a horrible cough there, David. Or you got a dog. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was that was my dog and uh that's taken care of now. Yeah, you didn't shoot it or anything, did you? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. I just let him let him go through the door he wanted to go through. So, Greg, we're now deep into winter. The the COVID the COVID thing is still very real for, for everyone, but I, I wonder what your attitude and your, and, and the attitude of your people in your community are now that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If that's, if that's actually kind of lifting some of the gloom for you uh, now that we can see that, you know, eventually we're all going to get vaccinated and get out of this thing. Well, uh, a case in point of what, what, what we're talking about, with the, the, the sense of, of the uncertainty 
but also the sense the sense of uh, pressing on. And it's an important point to make. Uh, a few weeks ago, a close friend of mine of about 40 years, he's my age, 70, he died from Michael Saint. Um, he died from complications of the stroke. And I've known Michael, and I'm looking from notes here, ever since I was in my 20s. And I was a political reporter at the Boston Herald American, and Mike was uh, a top aide to Tip O'Neill's son, Tom, when he was lieutenant governor. And um, Mike and I, uh, after his strokes, uh, continued to talk frequently on the phone. We were, we were surrogate brothers like you and me, David. And um, Mike asked a lot about Alzheimer's. He wanted to know the symptoms. He wanted to know how I fought them. Um, he, he, he gave my book on Pluto to um, as many people as possible. But he was always wondering about, tell me more about Alzheimer's. Tell me how to fight it, how you fight it. Uh, not long ago, I received a voicemail from Mike, very clear, very plain. Hey, Greg, give me a call. And um, sometimes you call someone the next day because you, you, you want to have the right time to talk to them. And I didn't get to it to the next day and there was no answer. And I called again. No answer. Left a voicemail. Mm. A few minutes later, his wife, Ann, called me and said Mike had passed away. Mm. Um, Mike, I, I, I think, may have been calling to say goodbye. I'm mm. not sure. But fast forward to last Sunday. I received the following email from Mike's wife, and I'll read from it. Greg, I just wanted to give you an update. The Alzheimer's doctor called Friday night with results of Mike's autopsy. Mike had severe Alzheimer's, a brain full of amyloids with many brain bleeds. The doctors believe Mike's strokes were caused by the Alzheimer's. This has probably been going on for the last decade or more, the doctor said. The doctor was shocked but said Mike's brilliance like yours was the reason he could mask it so well. I just thought you wanted to know. We think about you all the time. Two days ago, I got a call from his daughter, who I know very well. And um, she uh, uh, she wanted to talk. And she wanted to talk about her father because she knew we were brothers. And she said, and she knew her father died of Alzheimer's. And she said, um, what happened to my dad? How did it happen? And we cried together. And um, I told her that... Um, the only thing she could focus on right now were a couple things. One, her dad was in heaven now with God. Two, he was free of this monster of disease. And he would want those left behind now to keep pushing for a cure. That's what Mike would want. And um, I offer that up not as a sad story, but a hopeful story. Again, we've talked about a lot of things, but to disabuse people of stereotypes, here is this guy who was brilliant. He was talking to me like I talked to you. And he, he had serious Alzheimer's at the time, but he had the ability and why people like Mike or me and others don't, I don't know, have that. If I knew I could tell how many angels dance on the head of a pin and then I'd have to ask how big the pin was. But, um, you know, it, we're all in this together. And um, I think it's important. And, and now that we're on a new page with a new president, I'm hoping for all of us, things go in a positive way. I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that is, um, that's, that, that's, that's a whole bunch of heartbreaking things wrapped up into, into one story. Um, so, I mean, you were asking me at the beginning, how am I doing, how I feel? I wanted to hold yeah. that story out later, but I'm, uh, I, I, it's just sad, man. I'm just, you know, it's hard, you know, because you, you, you deal with what you're dealing with. You understand 
what millions of other people are dealing with. And yeah. here's a friend who masked it, who was brilliant, and he fought it, and he was suffering. And he didn't reach out, but at least he reached out to me to say, help me, without me realizing why he was reaching out. And that um, has made me uh, far more focused now than to listen to other people when they reach out who might be reaching out for the same reason. You know, I, I have two thoughts. Uh, one is that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because you're telling a story about someone who kind of, if, 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 I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, kind of approached his disease in, in very much the opposite way, you know, in a public way than, than you are which is right. completely fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with being uh, private about it and discreet and, and doing all the masking you want and trying not to, you know, not to let that be, uh, not to let you become the face of a, a disease and be defined by the disease. And of course, what you've done is very much the opposite. You've, you've put yourself out there uh, so that we can all learn about this disease, but that doesn't mean uh, and I'm sure I, I hope you will you will second this. That doesn't mean that your example has to has to be something that everyone follows. If if that's not their no, you're right. If that's not their cup of tea, they should deal with the, you know, with the the kind of public face of the disease, however is fitting with their with their personality. I'm totally on 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 board with that, and um, I just wish that maybe. Um, I could have sensed it a little more to reach out to my brother and, and uh, yeah. I'm, you're right. I mean, it, it, um, part of, of what you would understand, cause you are part of being a journalist is, you know, you have to report and that's my instinct. So shame on me if I don't report, most people aren't journalists and they don't have that instinct in them. And I totally get that. And, um, with your book, The Forgetting, and in my journey, what we're trying to do is to educate where we can. And, and and the other thought that I had, very different thought, is that, and I, I hadn't really put this together until you said something, part of what you just said, is that we ought to make the point that, you know, we have just seen the most dramatic advance, uh, success in science, in the history of science. We have just seen, we have just gone from a brand new virus in the world, which is, you know, killing millions of people, to a vaccine to deal with that virus in less than a year. That is unheard of. It's extraordinary and it gives hope. Exactly. And, and you talk about hope. And, uh, you know, I, I think we ought to make the point briefly before we, we, we wind this up because we're, we're more or less out of time. Uh, you know, we we in the Alzheimer's world have been saying that, that that achieving a cure to Alzheimer's is scientifically possible if we put our our resources on it and if we really really focus. And we've had a lot of pushback from people who've said, "Well, you're never going to. It's so complicated. You're never going to get to the cure." And you know, it's it's you you guys are. But what we've just seen with with COVID. And, and now not just one vaccine, but it looks like three, maybe four, maybe more successful vaccines against this disease in less than a year is the, the absolute you know, gold standard example of what the scientific and the world community can do when it bears down and it focuses on a challenge. And I feel like those of us in the, in the Alzheimer's world who are looking for a cure and 
trying to raise money and and, and effort on, on in the research world, we we can take this as a as a hopeful a very hopeful example, and we can maybe try to harness some of this energy and now steer it towards Alzheimer's and and lick that too. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a big, huge supporter of, of pharma because they have such a role now and even a bigger role. Uh, in the past, I think, as you know, I've, I've, I've done some work with Biogen and Eli Lilly and Osaka just to support what they're doing. And um, I think the country, and which was good because that's what happened with um, this uh, COVID quarantine, um, I would like to see more hope about finding a cure for Alzheimer's and uh, more money being spent on that and more support for the for the big farmers or the farmers as they uh, they try to uh, solve this Rubik's cube. Absolutely. Well, that's a good note to end on. And uh, and as we as I read the the outro credits, uh, Sean can roll the music from Dr. Rudy Tanzi, who was our friend, who's also composed our theme music. Uh, I, I want to say that's, that's uh, Greg, it's been so nice to connect with you today. That's it for our show today. The Forgetting is a production of the public radio station CAI in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, and GBH in Boston. Our producer is the great Sean Corcoran. Thank you, Sean. And our theme music, as I just mentioned, was composed and performed by Dr. Rudy Tanzi, who, as Greg said, does wear a red cape under his clothes because uh, he is a superhero. Thank you, Rudy, as always. Greg, it was great to talk to you. And, you know, the mail still works. I'm looking for that 100 bucks that you owe me. I, I'm, I'm, I think it's quicker if I fax it to you. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get that the fax machine. I'll, I'll, I'll fire it up and, and I'll be standing next to it. All right. I may send it by mimeograph. I'm not sure. <laughs> Whatever technology works for you, I'm waiting. All right. Love you, brother. You mean a lot to me and, and all you've done for the cause of Alzheimer's. And anyone who hasn't, read uh, read David's book, The Forgetting. Oh, it's oh that's, 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 that's way too many references. Read on Pluto instead. It's a better book. But uh, I'm, I'm humbled by, um, by your words and by, your, by this friendship that we have. So thank you for being who you are. I was just hoping that you would say I wouldn't know you a hundred bucks anymore because I gave you a no 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 I'm never gonna I'm never gonna give up on that hundred bucks okay all right you'll get it one way <laughs> David you did something to your face what did you do <laughs> what did you do did you do something I'm serious you look younger what did you do I, I I didn't do anything, but if that's a compliment, I guess I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have a beard or a mustache or something? I I, I probably shaved. A, I probably shaved. <laughs> I don't know. It's all right. I, I don't really I don't really track these things, but yes, I probably did shave from the last time. Okay. All right.